0: Now more Gresh and Fourier on WEEI and streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. Four aside,
1: Then all with a takeaway. Two points. Final hour of KJ and Lyons on WEEI in progression Fourier. I, can the Bruins and they're about to drop puck here against Dallas here shortly, within seconds? Can they petition the NHL? I'll even make a phone call to former Mayor Walsh. Can we can we cut these games to fifty eight minutes? Because what happens in the last two minutes, John? It what happened Saturday was an absolute embarrassment.
3: Yeah, and they've lost four in a row, albeit only two of those four regulation losses, but it's been a really weird return to me from the All-Star break, right? Because they lose to Calgary coming out. They looked really bad, but then they follow that up with a 4 nothing win against Vancouver, which for me, KJ, I thought that was their best win of the season. Vancouver's the best team in the West. They had just made a big trade to bolster themselves for a cup run, and the Bruins pushed them around, but then they looked lifeless again a couple days later against Washington, Tampa, they lose in a shootout. And then the Seattle game, KJ, to me, was really the weird one because multiple hit posts, James Van Riemsyke had a puck with an open net that he just missed the open net. Carlo falls down. Game, yeah. yeah, Carlo falls down, which leads to a two-on-one and a goal. So I walked away from that Seattle game thinking, hey, you know what? I know they lost 4-1, to one, but they just really had some bounces go against them. I think maybe they're going to be on the right track and they'll be okay. And then they follow it up with a really inconsistent game. Against the Kings, they they can't wait, hold wait, the lead, and then wait, they lose overtime. Here's the overtime. problem with the
1: Kings' game: like, you're up three-one, and think yeah. about when Rashard gets that goal where nobody's checking, and where three Kings pretty much have their back to the ice. Okay, trying to get the puck from two Bruins, and they st- they give up. You're thinking like, okay, this is what you need to happen for things to turn, but then to give up the two goals, and then just so embarrassing. Look, and and this is what's fascinating about those last two goals from the Kings. The one that was still in regulation that tied up the game. If you remember, they pulled their goalie really making it a six on four, right? For the power play to really kind of double up. And then when the power play ends, that's right exactly when they score the goals. Like, okay, technically it's not a power play goal, but it, like you just give it up. I, I, I don't know what's happened. And then that last goal, that is literally out of NHL 94. Okay. Yeah. That's that's literally what it was like. Power plays over. My man jumps on the ice, breakaway, game over. I, here's here's what I believe. This team is playing down to bad competition and tries to get themselves up for these other teams. And and and, and I'm I just wonder what happens. Like okay, Dallas kind of went through the same thing. They gave up a lead to Edmonton, lost that game four three, and then they're on the road. So this would be interesting. I got money on this game. Come on, Bruins. But here's the thing. I wonder is Pasternak ever going to be interested in being in the same sentence as a Connor McDavid in terms of stepping on the necks of opponents when they need to be stepped on versus just kind of hanging back and laughing and getting the kicks and giggles. I, it, it, it's it's getting annoying, right? Because there's already the narrative that he kind of gets too finessish when the playoffs come. Now I'm starting to see where it's kind of like, do you care? Like, do you care?
3: Well, My concern is, and I think this is where we're really seeing the loss of like a Bergeron and a Krejci and some of those, like in some of the key moments – they're not stepping up and making like the right play or the great play. Like Their penalty kill the first two months of the season was one of the best in the league. And then Derek Forbord, who I know people have plenty of complaints about, but as a penalty killer, net front presence. He's pretty good. He gets injured. Their penalty kill has been really bad since about mid-December. They give up two power play goals to the Kings. It's been something that's been really killing them I think they in their last I think in their last 17 games they've given up 17 power play goals. I so it's like I had- those key mo- and then you mentioned the end of the game against the Kings like <sighs> in some of these key moments they're not making the play that in years past at least in the regular season I know their playoff record but at least in the regular season they would make. And these are the types of moments that swing playoff series, right? The team with the better power play or that makes the key play late in a game to hold on or overtime. Like that's what has me
1: concerned. like last year uh, and here, you know, KJ, we well, had John, no concerns. Me, I, I got to say something about that now, that, that Kings game some. in that four on three power play. Go back and watch the body language of, pasta, language of pasta, and it's like, do you like? Are you just out here? You're not even a like. You, you got a daggone four on three, and I don't see any type of aggressive shots. I don't see any play to try and get in the way of the goalie to try and create distraction. I don't see anything. Right, so it's like. I I I can't. This is the only thing that I'm picking up of why this is going on. Is like, is your superstars really superstars, or are they just superstars when Edmonton shows up? Because that's the next game. Like, if they lay down to Dallas today, now we're talking about the most disastrous home stretch, and then going out to Edmonton and and trying to make this kind of seem like this could be a Stanley Cup preview. Man, they may get I not use the word stomped. If they go out to Edmonton if it's just like where we're just going to play up to the— I mean, this is the same Edmonton team that's only lost once since December. Yeah, and they've had a weird
3: pattern. And, and what I was getting to before is like last year you had no concerns with the Bruins until you watched Game 7 against Florida, right? Right. Or, of course, us real Bruins fans had a sinking feeling after Game 5. But this year, they've. it feels like once a month— They've had, like, in November, they lost three in a row. Then in December, they lost four in a row. Then in early January, they lost three in a row. Now in February, they've lost four in a row. It feels like each month they've had one stretch of really inconsistent or bad hockey for three or four or five games, and then the rest of the month they've been good, which, in the long run, that could win you your division, that, or at the very least, you are probably be second in your division. You'll be a playoff team, no problem. But what if your bad four game stretch is the third week of April? Then all of a sudden, you're eliminated. Like that's it. They haven't been as consistent as they were. And I know last year is a, an unrealistic bar, winning sixty five games. But just the night in and night out consistency, we have not seen that we saw last year. And that's what concerns me moving forward. Is it feels like these stretches of Inconsistent or bad play—it's been happening once a month.
1: You almost feel like just what you're seeing recently here with the Bruins. Would you be con- like, okay, I would kind of be confident still with Toronto because Toronto—it seems like they look at something on the sun and they just kind of choke. It's like their history. But Carolina is sitting right there in that Metropolitan Division at two, and if the Bruins have to bump up against them, say in a quarterfinal, like I, I, I would, I would feel like the same thing from last year would happen all over again. Yeah, that
3: bad matchup type. De- like, and that's right. the thing. Like they're second in their division right now, so I think that that would put them playing Toronto, I believe, in the first round. And I know Toronto's an easy punching bag, but that is a good team that finally did win a playoff series last year. So maybe yeah. it's not quite the same Toronto. So that's why I think like winning their division is important, but even if they win their division, they could still end up playing Tampa or Toronto, depending on how the wild card shakes out and where they finish. But I feel like this Bruins team to me, KJ. Like I, could, they're obviously going to win fewer games than last year. I could see them going deeper in the playoffs though, because maybe they'll get a better matchup in round one yeah. or whatever. But my concern is, like I said, once a month we've seen like a bad four, like a four-game losing streak, a three-game losing streak, or losing five out of six. If that happens to them in the third or fourth week of April we Will be sitting here with another first round exit if they can push that off, <sighs> they'll go deeper in the playoff. But that to me, that's what I think. Like, okay, they came out of the gate playing really well. What you're really missing without Bergeron, without Krejci, and even if you want to throw Orlov and Hatha and some of those guys,
1: or even that the old drama of, of you don't of get dragged out, Cassidy, out of Cassidy, right? Like yeah. that was the other part of the the, the equation at the time.
3: Yeah, and I feel ago. like the Bruins this year, and this never happened under Cassidy, and it didn't happen last year under Montgomery. They've had a handful of games that have felt like no-shows whether it was you know that was Washington game right whether it was that Washington game or the Calgary game after the all-star break but especially the Washington one cuz they played a couple and they've had a couple others here and there this season where you didn't get that sense last year I never really got that sense under Cassie. and that was something that was a problem towards the end of Claude Julian's tenure where they would play really well for a week and a half and then they'd have that no-show game where they lost 4 to 1 to a team they're better than so that that's my like that's the thing like the Bruins on the surface uh, they've won thirty-two games. They have seventy-five points. Like they're having a good season. Don't right, get exactly. me wrong. But we've but seen this movie before. The, exactly in these monthly stretches of we're going to lose three, we're going to lose four. Like if you do that in April or May, you you are eliminated. There's like you can survive it now, but that's where I think. And, and as we approach, you know, what are they going to do to improve their team as we you know get to the trade deadline and. and if and they don't have a lot of cap room either, or if they do they want to promote someone from Providence? This, to me, is where they're missing the Bergeron, missing the Krejci, because those guys, if you lost two in a row, would make sure that third game, they could do something to pull you out of it. I don't know if they quite have that right now.
1: Maybe I should have put it in the lunchtime. Probably obviously wouldn't do that. But today on BetMGM, I took the Bruins uh, spread of one and a half because I think it's one of those games you've got to win by at least two just to show that not only are you tightening some things up, because this is some of the goals that were, that second goal, uh, the ricochet that got past, you know, Linus, I, you know, I can't be mad at that completely because you no know, one saw that because it was like, whoa, that's weird. But just being able, you know, to have a 3-1 lead, it should have finished 4-1. That should have been a 4-1 game. So they I think they have to do that to Dallas. And plus it's at plus money. I got it at plus 180. It's now at plus 170, but the puck's about to drop at any moment. And the money line has come down from minus 140. To minus one thirty. So I think people are believing, or the odds makers are believing, that the Bruins will turn it around and possibly even that you know, that plus one eighty has come down to plus one seventy, that they could win by two. They've gotta win this game. Because it's a good now,
3: Dallas team too, by the way. Like that's is. the thing. Like it's
1: and I know their schedule out
3: of the break has been relatively you know, they played some really good teams in there. But, like, I mean, Calgary's not a good team. They had Edmonton
1: get the, rope. the ropes yeah, on like, Saturday.
3: Calgary and Seattle aren't good teams, and they didn't play well against them either. And the Kings so. are just trying to turn things around. They right. just
1: fired their coach about a week and a half ago. Yeah,
3: and they're just barely in a playoff spot. Like, they are a playoff team, but just barely.
1: I I, I think some of these guys, because I think this is the chasm we're talking about, like, you know, where, where Bergeron's gone now, it's kind of like, okay, you clearly know that Moshan is still the leader of this team, but that might be a year. He might only have a year left in himself, and is there now this vacuum that's about to come where it's almost kind of like, do you? I don't want to say do you take pride in, but do you do you take care of business when it needs to be taken care of? These, like you mentioned, these losses with Seattle and you know, like Calgary, a, like Calgary, teams that Calgary, aren't right. good. Yeah, right. These are ones that you're supposed to be scooping. Like Washington's not in the playoffs. Home. Like another right. team that's not good. Yeah, yeah. I, I I I just hope they turn it around. And pucks dropping any moment. It's KJ Lines in for Gresh and Fourier. text line 37937. Oh, you know we weren't going to get out of here without talking about NBA All-Star Weekend and the Celtics. That's next... I remember I was saying, I was like, man, I never met Larry Burr. I'd never been in the same room as him. Um, as crazy as that sounds, just never it's never worked out. And I got a chance to go meet him and tell him how you know, much of an honor it was to meet him. And, uh, you know, he told me he was looking forward to meeting me. So that was crazy to hear him say that. Uh, he's a lot taller than I thought he was. But obviously what he means to the game, what he means to the city of Boston and the Celtics and um, you know, he's the ultimate Celtic, so it was a, it was an honor to meet him. Yeah, Larry's probably like, I don't have to wait a bunch of yahoos standing in front of my house. When I'm cutting grass. I can meet you now. KJ Lyons, WEEI, Infragression 4 here on your President's Day. 617-779-7937, text line 37937. That is Jason Tatum talking about meeting Larry Bird for the first time. We'll get to the NBA All-Star Weekend and the Celtics, but let's get to Danny and Quincy. And we've got our timers. We all universally agree on one minute. One minute. Uh,
0: Wait. What, 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 there we go. Okay. Oh, the arrogance. Okay. Uh, listen, I, I, I heard the uh, the gentleman, I think his name is Mike, right, say yep. earlier in the show that back in the day you were a Brady guy over Bledsoe?
3: My name's John, but, uh, yeah.
0: I'm or sorry. That's okay. That. I apologize. Yeah. I'm not trying to be a wise guy. No, no, no. That's all right. Yeah. All I mean, right. but I said I, it was, there was know, a big can split. I ask you? I just can I ask you how old you are now? Yeah, yeah,
1: that's that's a personal question. I mean, might you yeah. just ask? I no, know. what okay, do you? No, how old were you Danny, when you I made know, that decision? I know what you're okay, getting just, at, right? I was too young no, to know the difference. No, I just want to know.
0: It's not trying to. I just yeah. want to know. This this goes up my tailpipe when I hear people telling me what their feelings was were on on a on a on a, on a, on a, on a very divisive subject matter. Back and that guy that you add on, I'll get to him if I get more than a minute. But if you were five years old or ten years old, I don't know how old you are now, but you know, you had to be, what, 10?
3: Are you, how old are you? Yeah, so, I, look, I was a kid, but my point was is that at the time it was a very divisive issue, as you mentioned. I happened to like Brady a little bit more because they started winning more games, but I obviously wasn't an expert back then when I was a kid, but I think there was a huge split, and there was a lot of people in the blood so who had split. gone to a Super Bowl, you know, it, it, with the it, Patriots, it, but I think there was, was a sense of a lot of people, and maybe age groups are different, too, that... The thing with Brady, there was just they were winning more at that
0: time. It, it wasn't a split though. Even after it wasn't, it was ninety nine point nine percent of the media was on Bledsoe's side. That's right. And and, and you had a port and, and yep. more than half the fan base. I can I can I can attest to that. Okay, I was in my forties when this happened, so that's why I'm asking you. Okay, I want to know how old you were when when you when you were because nobody on the radio was for for Brady. I can tell you that right now. Uh-huh.
3: And and no, the radio wouldn't take the- my calls back then. Okay. No, well, what, what Danny is I know, saying that's is. That's why I'm
0: asking you. I, right. What I, Danny guy, is saying
1: is there shouldn't be a revisionist history yeah. because of what we've seen happen. Nobody was calling for Brady to keep the job, just the same way that nobody was calling for Jimmy G to keep the job when Tom came back I, I, from a suspension.
0: I invented an, I invented a new generation that the 28 to 3 crowd. That's the, gener- you've heard of Generation Z, <laughs> X, Millennial, yeah. they're the 28 to 3 years because they don't, that's their baseline, and that's where they get the, it was all Brady and never Belichick. The other thing, this guy who wrote the book. I've never said that. I-, I didn't say you did. I'm, I'm just like, letting you I'm know. Th- that was a general statement, okay? This is fascinating speaking.
1: more than the one minute timer, I have to agree. All right, Continue. So the- the
0: other- this guy who wrote the book, am I still on? Yeah, you're on. <laughs> Okay, this guy who wrote the book, the document, he actually was was on with Jonesy and the Megatron girl there, and he actually said it was apropos, and I'm paraphrasing, or appropriate or justifiable that Bledsoe went up the back stairs, went into the owner behind Belichick's back, and lobbied to get his job back. And he said, absolutely, Bledsoe had the right to do that. Now, he'd already done it with Parcells. That's what helped get Parcells fired as well. So it happened twice with Bledsoe. That guy yeah. and the other thing, the media depicted the relationship between Bledsoe and Brady as as a mentor-protege uh, relationship, that they were best friends, that Bledsoe was teaching them everything mm-hmm. he knew. It couldn't have been further from the truth. It was yeah. the biggest fraud. This is why I hate the media. Nothing personal. They <laughs> lied about that. And you watch everything now, it's all coming out. And with some of it. And so thank Danny, you for you rem- the one so minute. Danny, so, ahead, Danny, I'm before I'll you stay go... On.
1: You remember how the stuff was on the clearance rack in the middle of the season for the Patriots gear? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, yeah, daddy remembers that, that was the
0: biggest fraud perpetuated. The only, one, the only guy that reported the truth is a guy named Hector Longo. I don't know if he still writes, but he's the only one that told the truth about the relationship between Brady and Bledsoe. Brady has a training video. Where he, I, I, it was just a little thing he did, and he said, he looked into the camera, he says, I'm coming for your effing job. Okay? I saw it. was a documentary put out a long time ago, and I followed Brady at Michigan, so I know all about Tom Brady and what he did when he came in for that little protégé, like Bledsoe was, uh, Drew Henson. So I know the whole history. Anyway, thank Danny, you for the minute. You got no, it. problem and
3: just uh, like we talked about this earlier in the show, KJ, I thought a really sneaky, interesting thing about – the first two episodes of the dynasty was that blood. So media availability when he was like, next question, next question. I look for forward to the opportunity to earn my job And sitting down at the locker next to him was Brady. Well, let's. Like, just you know, yourself, I found that interesting.
1: Well, let's put yourself in the mind of any QB one on a team. And there's four QBs, right? If there's anybody you're most likely going to mentor, it would be QB two, not QB four, right? Like, yeah. Unless you're lobbying for four to beat out two and three and you think that, you know, like you could but that wasn't happening. So it look, it was a time and error where you believed that if a quarterback or play you know, a star player went out for an injury that they didn't lose their job because of an injury. Bledsoe became kind of the face of so what, you had an injury, you don't have your job when you come back. And that's what kind of shook a lot of people because no one had ever seen it before. So Danny does have credibility when he says that the media was 99% oh, yeah. behind Bledsoe getting his job back because no one had ever seen this before. It's not that, granted, look, the, the performance from Bledsoe was horrible at that point and was a carryover from the previous year, but nobody had been replaced just because you lost your injury. The idea was you get yanked off of the off of the field because of your performance. So yeah. if you missed any of the interview with uh, Matthew Hamacek, the Odyssey app is free you can rewind go back to the 12 o'clock hour it was a great talk about how he wanted to capture the emotions back at that time versus it being a book report and you knowing the information that's going to be in it I think that was very key that was huge I thought okay so the NBA All-Star Weekend before we get to the Celtics and we get to Jalen Brown look. okay let me get to Jalen Brown first I take my hat off to him because as many complaints that people have about All-Star Weekend, you had an All-Star put themselves into a Saturday competition for the dunk contest. I mean, come on. You literally had a person who won the dunk contest who hasn't been in the league in two straight years and has won the NBA dunk contest without being on an NBA roster. So hats off to Jalen Brown doing the tribute to Michael Jackson with the left-handed glove. No, it had nothing to do with his dribbling skills. Michael Jackson is from Gary, Indiana, and hence the salute to Michael Jackson to the late Terrence Clark who lost his life in Los Angeles from Dorchester while he was at Kentucky and was about to go to the draft. He saluted him and was like a big brother to him. So I give Jalen Brown a lot of credit because he is putting his words behind his money and actions when it comes to his dedication to Boston,
3: yeah, and even remember, right after he signed the Supermax, he played in that Big Three league in London, like, and right. that was some of the things he talked about. Like he wanted to, you know, help the city of Boston, help his community, but also, you know, care about the game of basketball from the ground up. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I enjoyed having him in the dunk contest. I would say KJ, I, the NBA has got to do something about this All Star weekend because I, what to do. I thought the three point competition was great. Boring. The dunk contest. Yeah. I love Boring. that Jalen was in it, but you're right. A guy who's not in the NBA is winning the dunk contest. And then the All-Star game. Boring. Yeah, I thought it was pretty pathetic, what we you, saw.
1: You know, I had a great excuse to not watch any more than the first 15 minutes of the NBA All-Star game. I had to work NG on the national show this morning at 5 a.m.
3: I had a great excuse. Uh, I just put it on as background. The
1: noise. season finale <laughs> of True Detective came out last night at 9, so that's see, what I see, did
3: instead of the All-Star game.
1: So how do you fix the dunk competition? And here's what I think you should do if you're the NBA And you almost kind of make it mandatory is if you're going to have someone like Matt McClung, who's a G league player performing the dunk contest, then you should be able to get street ballers to go against them in the dunk contest. Like there, there has to be some type of embarrassment that happens to the NBA players. So that way they step their game up to say, we're not going to have some non NBA players beat us at our own game because guess what's happening? A non NBA player is beating you at this own contest. Yeah. So I think if you go get street players now, I, the only thing that I think would be the hangup is if one of these guys, these YouTubers, decide, "Hey, I'm going to do that dunk where I do the the 1450. I don't know how many rotations that would be. Let's call it five times 360. I'm going to do a 2040." And I would the, like the, the with NBA the, is not going to cover that insurance, right? And so, I
3: wonder with the game itself, like, do you shorten the game? And make it like no. a forty-minute game, and then guys will actually play defense. Well, like, what do you do something s- like that? Like, I don't know.
1: What I did see last night was wow. There's a lot of spent energy on that west side. They looked really slow. LeBron, it, it, LeBron, and Jokic, on, and and Luka Doncic out there. That's like a t train moving slow. Yeah, it was slow out there for them. So I don't know what you do. Um, uh, there's no way that you could say, hey, the winner of this contest gets you know NBA playoffs. You know the NBA Finals home court advantage. You don't do that because you play the games in the season to be able to get home court advantage. Right? Yeah, like, I wouldn't.
3: I wouldn't love that. Like, remember baseball tried that and it yeah. was like, meh.
1: But the it's just it feels the like at
3: the All Star <laughs> Weekend used to be this awesome event, and now to right. me, it's boiled down to the three point contest is fun and entertaining, and that's kind of it as far as like entertainment value. And, and, that's and so they got to do something well. about that. And even yeah. that, yeah, and that's fair, KJ. But like, that's the only one to me. That I'm even like, oh, I want to know how that... Like the Steph Curry, Sabrina UNESCO three... point Like, okay, I was interested in that. That's... I wasn't interested in the game. The dunk contest, I was interested because Jalen Brown was in it, but, like, only because...
1: For Jalen Brown.
3: Not the dunk contest itself.
1: Okay, so we've gotten past the ugly stuff. The game, the weekend. Even the celebrity game is, is like, horrible.
3: Well, they should have us play in that, by the way. Like, that's ridiculous. I
1: mean, they they probably want real ratings. Now, if they wanted something exciting... You probably see me kick the ball up, you know, until about you know thirty rows back, and then jump and hang on the rim or try and break the glass. There's something violent, but at least you get
3: ratings. We should do a WEEI celebrity all star basketball game.
1: No, I don't. I yeah. don't do anything that requires my Achilles to go up and down at a fast motion. I don't do that anymore. Okay, that's I will I say you the shootout
2: coach. between Steph Curry and Sabrina Ionescu was pretty. Yeah, good, but that's and the only they do Joe.
1: Like
3: year. to me, that's the only thing that that's I looked boring. at from the weekend that I was like, oh, I want to know what happens there. And does Jalen Brown not get hurt in the dunk contest? That was my biggest thing for the whole weekend.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know how you really make the weekend more excitable when the truth and the secret to NBA weekend is everything but the game is why people are there. So even, um, what's the guy's name? The place That's when Kyrie Edwards. and Durant planned their uh, right, escape right. to Brooklyn together. Right, they're like, hey, look, I think that you know this is just a break for us, so they're not really going to go hard in the game and there's nothing that you're going to be able to make the players do that when it's been decided by the league that it's a break. So I, I, I don't I don't know how you do this. But do you go like little league rules where you have to take like three like end of bench players and stick them in the game to compete? You know, like – uh, you know, like <laughs> you put you put Obi out there or something? I don't I don't know. That's right. Like I said, I, I wonder you if gotta, you shorten the game. Like I, if
3: they only have to play uh, thirty five minutes,
2: but either they play that or hard, you gotta increase the better. cash prize. Like I know yeah. for the in season yeah. tournament they got half a million. You might need to go to like three quarters of a million. All Star Game MVP yeah, gets a super nothing. max.
1: But if you're all those that now that's a good yeah, idea yeah. right yeah. there. Because you, you have to it. think outside the box. It probably has to be one of those like the winning team splits a pot of, say, fifty million dollars. Right? like it's got to be something crazy like that. But then, you know, why run any commercials? You run no commercials because all the fifty million dollars sitting right over there. Yeah, uh, let's go to Mike and Danvers. Mike, thank you so much for calling KJ and Lions. You're on WEEI. Hey, what's going on, guys? Good. So a good fix for the dunk contest. I'm stealing this. I got this from uh, a radio or a podcast or whatever from Rick Buecher. Have you heard okay. of it? I'm sure you've heard of that. Dude. Yeah, I know Rick Buecher. So he said, yeah. So he came up with the idea, and I think it's perfect. Whoever wins the slam dunk contest gets a signature shoe every year. (laughs) Okay. It sounds good on paper, but what kid is running out to go buy the Mac McClung's? But it's still a collector's item. That's what I'm saying. The Mac McClungs won't be in it. The pros right. would be in it to get a collector's shoe that would be worth a lot of money. You get a new shoe every year for the dunk contest winner, and they'd make some real money and give them a reason to actually do it. I think yeah. it's a great I, idea. I wouldn't hate that. Like if Jalen well, Brown so
3: had won the dunk contest, and then we got a Jalen Brown sneaker. Like I think that would be kind of cool. Like you're right about the McClung. Like I, I mean, I don't even know who that guy is outside of the dunk contest. But I think great, if great you got McClung, if you got real <laughs> NBA players in it. And then, like, what if LeBron won the dunk contest and a LeBron sneaker came up, but it was a dunk contest edition? Or so a Giannis
1: here, sneaker? dunk? Con- like, that would be pretty cool, I think. So here's the, I think the challenge would be the logistics, right? Like, do, do you pre-make everybody's shoe and then you reveal what the winner's shoe is? Like, because what's sure. the turnaround time? Like, yeah. are you presented That's with fair. the shoe right away? Now, again, you probably have better lead time if you get people into the game. Then yeah, I, you know, I, I don't hate that idea if you know who the you would have to get yeah. the top players. And so let's say a guy ends up with like a double shoe deal, like a double shoe because he might already have a shoe that's coming out at All-Star game and now you have a second second special edition dunk shoe that's maybe a limited collectors item. Yeah. So yeah, maybe that helps the dunk contest there, but then you get into all right, well what constitutes a 50 versus a 49 and a half. So that's then you get into the judging and how objective is it or would here's, be.
2: Here's an idea from the 774. The best thing to do about the gun- dunk contest, get rid of it. <laughs> get rid
1: of it. Yeah. I knew that was coming. Yeah, not a bad idea. Yeah, but idea. but you know what? There's so much money tied to commercials and ad buys and all. that. And this is this is what we kind of joke about, like where, hey, as a listener, you believe you can do this. And then there's a whole other side of the money and understanding how the money works and when you understand how the money works, that's why they won't reduce the amount of games in a season. They won't get rid of the All-Star game. They won't get rid of the dunk contest because there's money to be made just on those things, no matter how bad the product is. I have to give it to the caller, Mike, and who we heard from Rick Buecher. That is a, that is a genius idea. that's a idea. fun idea. I because do. you're only talking about, what, five to seven contestants. Maybe you even expand because, like, hey, I can get a double shoe out of this you know, kind of like, hey, you can get my regular shoe and then the special dunk edition, and now you're only talking about having to get with five to seven guys and with design teams once they're announced they're in the All-Star dunk contest. They would just have to commit as soon as it opens.
3: Yeah, or you could have, like you said, like a pre-designed shoe, and the winner just gets that shoe, and maybe they put their logo on it. Like if Jason Tatum won the shoe would be a Jordan shoe with the JT logo on it, but the right. rest of like the colors and the schematics would be the same for pretty much anyone, and then maybe you could turn it around.
1: From the money side, that could happen because then you could get investment uh, in terms of advertising just in the process of making the shoe, right? Like You could sell that as this is the shoe. If so-and-so wins, this is the dunk shoe that you would be able to collect. So if, if they don't win it, then, hey, you can autograph that one copy, that demo copy, and 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 wrote in and, and ch- charity, you know. Yeah, but I, I, I do to want
2: idea. to like I don't want this to be so incentive driven. Like we have to criticize the players for not putting in the effort. They made Adam Silver and the league made these changes. They went back to old formats. We heard Jason Tatum in the post game saying he likes the changes, but it's on the players to actually put in some effort and to show some kind of competitiveness. So let's just not make especially this in the incentive based. Yeah.
3: Well, the other
1: part of it, how motivated are we to do work on our day off?
3: Yeah, but still, you're in the all-star <laughs> game. Like, yeah, I, I mean, like, imagine putting up that effort in front. Like,
2: imagine putting up that effort in front of Larry Bird, Oscar Robertson, Dr. J. Like, imagine that.
1: That's because those guys were, like, selling refrigerators in the offseason. These yeah. guys, you know what I mean? Like, these guys probably in 10 games make what some of these guys made in a season.
3: But that's why I wonder if you shorten the game. Like, if you made it a 40-minute game, maybe you would – Two timeouts halves. Yeah, maybe you would get more high-end defensive effort because guys now like load management's a thing, but also the NBA is a way more endurance and running base than it was 15 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. So these guys are so worried about conserving their bodies. Maybe if you have less time, they'll go harder on the defensive end. I don't know. But it, it was pretty frustrating to see that
1: last Or night. maybe you introduced the five-point shot, right? Like if you're using these AWS analytics of where different shots no, are taken. I, do,
2: I don't need celebrity game junk no, involved no, no. in the pro No, no, no. Wait, game. but
1: here's the thing. If a dude is taking a half-court shot, might as well give him five points for it, right? You don't have to put the markers on the court. But you'll say, hey, okay, anything from behind here is a five-point shot that may close gaps more or if you make three threes in a row if a player makes three threes in a row that third three is worth four points right or something to incentivize people to really go after it to close the score like like it's not even the defensive part of it to not have one of the teams lose by damn 25 points like that's not like that's not an all-star game that's you know back when you played little league it was kind of like the best team playing against the stars of the rest of the league and the team always still won because like we beat all these guys we like they're just getting it together so nobody wants to see a game where people lose by 25 if it's a competitive game it doesn't even have to be something defensive the score just has to be close
3: yeah i still don't like the the total lack of defense though that like that was that was annoying To me, that's why I'm glad True Detective came out at nine o'clock. Yeah, I just watched that.
1: I also didn't buy Playboy magazines when I turned eighteen just to read the articles. So I mean, in one side of the coin and another, some people don't want to watch the All Star Game for defense. I just no,
3: and I'm not saying it's going to be like a whole, but like I mean, you had guys out there just standing there. I mean, it's like come on, like give me something.
1: Well, I'll tell you, we'll give you a break here because those same things that we talk about paying commercials, those are next, and then we wrap up KJ and Lions here, getting ready for. Jones and Mego at 2 here on WEEI. Good President's Day to you.
0: Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way.
1: Yeah, KJ and Lions, WEEI in progression for you. Thank you so much for hanging out today. You missed any of the show. It's free on the Odyssey app. You can go back and hear different conversations. Really enjoyed the conversation with Alex Gould at our sister station, 610 Sports Kansas City, to hear how they're moving forward after last week's shooting at the Super Bowl parade. And, of course, the discussion that we had about Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady that set some people off. You know, John, it's interesting because you remember at some point I was saying, hey, the gauntlet that Mahomes is going through in the AFC is very impressive, maybe even more impressive than Brady. Let me give you the year when when the Patriots beat the the, 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 the Nipplegate, right, against the Panthers. Here are the quarterbacks in the AFC that year, and you tell me if this strikes fear in your heart in terms of quarterbacks. Peyton Manning, okay. Trent Green? No. John Kittner, No. Tommy Maddox? Took, I mean, that was the year Rothberger no. was out. Steve McNair's in the Hall of Fame. Oh, mvp that year. All right, okay, Drew Bledsoe, Byron yeah. Lefwich. I mean, stop me if there's some guys that you're just saying, wow, these are the Lamar Jackson level. Jake Plummer, yeah. Chad Pennington, Jay Fiedler, Drew Brees, Bree splitting time with, with Doug Flutie, David Carr, Kelly Holcomb, Vinny Testaverde, Tim Couch, Rick Meyer. Yeah, all of those scream Josh Allen level. That, yeah. That, that, yeah, look. It but was I think just, when you
3: look at the totality of it, you're going to end up saying Brady stopped just as many great quarterbacks as Mahomes, if not the more. In no, the AFC, no. I said the totality, overall. Like well, the AFC, Mahomes totally has a right now. Right? It's totally different. Mahomes probably has a tougher road in the AFC than maybe Brady. But even some of those AFC teams, like Brady, had to, in his first you know three Super Bowls, he had to go on the road twice in the AFC Championship game. I'm not like, saying where one you of had them to was go. Roethlisberger. Right. Okay. So, and it's like, Another you, had, one's to, you Manning, had to beat right? Rich Gannon in the Snow Bowl, who went to the Super Bowl the next year with the Raiders. I know they lost, but I mean, they're, they're he was at the height of the they the Rich powers. Gannon
1: bus right you know, now, aren't they? Yeah.
3: Rich Gannon, who, by the way, beat Brady in 2002 in a Sunday night game, just saying. But it's like, that's the thing. I think with Mahomes, you're right. And at the AFC road, quarterback wise, is probably more daunting, especially than what Brady had early in his career. But I think if you look at the totality of it, if you include the NFC, because like Joe said earlier, I mean, Mahomes in the Super Bowl has beaten Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy, right? That's not the same as beating Kurt Warner, well, Donovan McNabb, and Mahomes.
1: Like, like he beat you know? Jake DeLone that
3: year. Yeah, but <laughs> right? I'm saying overall, like that's what I'm saying, the totality of it. I mean, you're right, just picking yeah. out one year. If you want to pick out this year, like I Mahomes a had a much Bowl tougher year. road in the AFC, but he beat Brock Purdy in the
1: Super Bowl, who played fine, but it's Brock Purdy. I'm not saying good, who you beat right? in the Super Bowl. I'm saying who you beat to get to no, the I Super No, I know Bowl. that,
3: but I'm saying you're leaving out a huge part of the equation. Like, we're not talking about these guys in the same sentence if they're not winning Super Bowls. The reason we're talking is they're winning. And Brady's Super Bowl roads was probably tougher than Mahomes, but Mahomes' AFC roads, at least quarterback-wise, probably tougher than than Brady's.
1: That's all I was saying. Yeah. In terms of, like, what quarterbacks did you slay on your way to to get to the kingdom if whatever or whatever your dynasty is going to be. Patrick Mahomes is going to be that a lot of guys who have great careers – it's like what Jordan? But is, did is Mahomes
3: beating anyone in the playoffs as good as Prime
1: Peyton Manning or which Brady? The did other twice? part is: is he stopping Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, oh, yeah. uh, Joe Burrow? Uh, what's your guy in San and uh, lost uh, the yeah. Chargers? Uh, Herbert. Herbert. Who, by Herbert, the way, I mean right.
3: Brady did beat Philip Rivers in the playoffs. Okay, multiple cool. Times.
1: I give you Philip good Rivers, player. right? Right. But is good anybody player. saying that Philip Rivers was ever a threat to the throne?
3: No, but that's another guy that you know. If Brady's not there, maybe he wins one Super Bowl. You know, I'm not saying a bunch. Like, maybe he wins one, Manning wins three, Roethlisberger wins three, you know, something like that instead of just like Brady wins, you know, seven.
1: It was and a lot like what women's wins. wrestling used to be. It used to be four of a and three other people. All right, text line 37937 before we get out of here for Jones and Mego. Uh, Joe, what you got on the text line?
2: Uh, so we're going back to the dunk contest that we were talking uh, last, and the All Star game in general uh, yeah. last segment. 603 has a suggestion who says. Uh, you need to have an all-star defensive MVP along with an offensive MVP.
1: Maybe give them $3 million for the defensive MVP. Maybe it's something, you know, like, hey, I'll step Well, that's up what out. a
2: 617 Texer suggests. It's easy. Incentivize a team for winning and incentivize a team for keeping the other team under 120 points mm. because these guys are only motivated by money.
1: Get a little slam ball action going towards the end right there at about 112, <laughs> Yeah. I would just love
3: to see a little bit of defense. I know it's an all-star game. I get it. But just a little bit.
1: I just want to see a close score. There's no reason why one side should lose by 25. Yeah, we're going when you are the, the best players of,
3: in the world, yeah.
1: Right when 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 that we're looking at the old ones when Jordan was on the East and you're like, who's on the West? It's an aging Magic Johnson and Jack Sigma's running out there, and meanwhile you got all these young guys running around Grant Hill and Allen Iverson and stuff like that. So yeah, it, something has to be done. I think they'll figure it out. That's why they get paid millions, and that's why we're hourly, John. Yeah. So uh, we they, look. John can you really k- quickly get out before we get out of here give out the the uh, the the, uh, the the run that your wife is doing The information.
3: Yes, actually. So, my wife is running the Chicago Marathon in October. So, feel free. There's some links online to donate. She's running for the Semper Five Fund, which provides uh, funds to military families uh, who maybe have gone through some sort of traumatic event related to military service. So, great organization. Really excited. And uh, before you ask, KJ, I will not be running. The Chicago Marathon Thank with God. her. I'm just going to have her run it. Otherwise, it would not be the KJ Lions show because I'd probably drop dead halfway through the course. Are so, you going to be on the
2: sidelines I'm, with like waters or wet paper towels? Yeah. Being like, you can do it. Go, go, go. Yes,
3: I, I will be clapping loudly um, with you know and some water there, but I will not be be running it. But yeah, she's running for a great cause. There's some links out there we're having a big fundraiser in April. We're looking forward to over Barrelhouse Z, Great Brewery Barrel Barrelhouse Z, by the way, in Weymouth, great place if you like beer. That's a place to go. We're having a fundraiser there in April, so looking forward to that. Thanks for giving me the time, KJ, for that
1: as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because I gave you some of my money for it, and and of here's course. the funny things. I was literally at a family birthday dinner, getting ready to pay for the birthday dinner, and here comes John's like, "Hey, can you donate?" I was like, "Well, well since I want to be clear, wallet, though. It was before, but I
3: my <laughs> yeah. first text to KJ was inviting him to the fundraiser. It was not saying just give me money. KJ did volunteer, okay, to get so money, yeah, though, which I appreciate got to the one
1: text and then to the next. But yes. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Because here's the thing. God bless your wife. I know she's got to be a saint to deal with you. That's true. She probably needs donations for that. <laughs> right. So so donate what you can. And plus, if you want to be a really good husband, uh, make a reservation to a place called Sepia. Okay. It's inside the loop. My buddy's the head chef there. I'll give you a password. It doesn't mean you'll get money off. It just means that you'll get a word to be able to meet, potentially meet the chef. Michelin star restaurant. Did you know Top him food. as a kid too? Yeah. We took the bus to school together. Wow. You know oh, Steph yeah, what Curry do you think? What you you, knew this what you guy think I grew up on an episode of Good Times? No, i I've dude, been you, places.
3: I'm just telling you,
1: you feel like everybody we talk about on this show, you knew them as a kid. Well, I know them as adults, too. So thank you so much for checking out KJ and Lions. Jones and Mego. next. Have a great holiday. See you.